Hey there, I'm your host T.G. Brandfault and you are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today I am joined by Eli Harrington. He is the co-founder and managing editor of Hetty Vermont. Um, I've worked with this guy a lot. I'm, I'm super thrilled to, to talk to him and uh, you know share share sort of the the Hetty Vermont and, and his sort of story uh, with the listeners. How you doing today? I am doing great, and uh, I'm equally pumped to be involved because I have been listening to Gondrepreneur podcast and a subscriber for a couple of years now before we actually knew each other in person up here in Burlington, Vermont. So it's cool, everything coming full circle and uh, getting to talk about what's happening up here in Vermont and the Northeast in general with the cannabis scene is always excellent. So let's let's sort of start with, you know, we know each other, but but people don't necessarily know you. You really like, if, if you're in the cannabis scene out here, people know who you are. They've, they've seen you, you've been at the Capitol uh, pushing for uh, certain legislation, that sort of thing. But, but tell me, tell me your background, man. How'd you end up this sort of, uh, I don't want to call you a character, but character <laughs> out here. No, I think, I mean, character is probably fair. Um, you know, for me, it all started with a, with a family connection to a guy named Mark Tucci, who was one of the original advocates and activists and patients here in Vermont. And coming up in high school even, I remember 2003, 2004, I was always interested in Vermont politics. And seeing Tucci, who's going through MS, work with a legislator, uh, do advocacy, you know, educating everybody about medical marijuana. And, you know, this is 14 years ago. It was very different times, right? Even up here in Vermont. So I kind of, that was my background. Um, and then, you know, I went to college, Brandeis, a very liberal place. I did a fair amount of experimenting. And it was really a few years ago I'd moved back to Vermont after spending seven years in the world of nonprofit and international relations. Um, I have a background in diplomacy, which I think helps a lot in the cannabis space, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. I think about that all the time. Um, and yeah, you know, a few years ago sort of saw a need for a resource for information, right? And that Vermont had a cannabis community. I was familiar with it. We had a cannabis culture and tradition that goes back a long time. And as things started becoming more serious publicly with legislation being proposed, with trade groups forming up, um, I said, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are like me. You know, I'm, I'm 29. I'm interested in this subject in a lot of different ways uh, who have a different attitude about cannabis, who know what's happening around the country, who are interested. And beyond that, you know, the, the roots community, you know, I mean, all the people in Vermont who have been working hard, advocating, you know, risking their freedom you know, frankly, for a long time, um, being connected with them and knowing that they don't really have access to the political process, right? I mean, even in here in Vermont, which is very small, very transparent and very accessible, you know, if you're not used to dealing with politics and working in the state house and doing effective advocacy and lobbying and, you know, frankly, diplomacy, you know, I mean, everybody who knows cultivators, you know, knows that you especially the OGs, there's a certain ethos, you know, and they tend to be a bit more independent, vocal. And so, you know, we kind of started with this approach of just the social one is that we want to be the resource for the people that know the most, the people that care the most, and really, you know, try to be a part of building something for the future, you know, here in Vermont and in the Northeast, because whatever your personal opinion is on cannabis, this is a, it's a historic time we're living through right now, as far as transition. And, uh, you know, the way that technology has democratized the world, you know, anybody can start a blog, um, get involved, be out there advocating, find other advocates. 
you know, and sort of build something, which is where we're approaching with Hedy Vermont, you know, and, and Monica Donovan, our publisher, co-founder, co-organizer of, of the Vermont Hemp Fest. Um, she's awesome. We're just, we're so fortunate to have, have such a great partnership and uh, to share the vision and really just be building this network, which has come through individual connections. You know, like you said, I mean, Vermont's a small town. It's what we like to joke around with. Like the population, I mean, you know, from being here, like everybody knows each other. It's like not six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like two degrees, right? For sure. You know, so um, it is a cool place as far as being a part of this community and seeing how it's transitioning, you know, more people who are coming out, who are advocating and sort of watching the way things things go and uh, trying to be a part of shaping that process, you know. And so, so, you know, we, we're, we're, you know, three days, four days, five days, whatever it is, removed from HempFest, which was really, really a, a rad event. I mean, there was just so many different business ideas there and, you know, stuff that, like, I hadn't seen just, just coming here. And, and the the amount of, the sheer amount of people that showed up to that, you know, to Burke Mountain, which if people aren't familiar, I mean, you're, you you really got to be go, going with a purpose, <laughs> you need, like you, you said intention. yesterday. You need You need that yeah. intention, like Mike talked about. Yeah. And, and, you know, so... And, and it was brilliant. I mean, Mike Lewis was incredible. The, the you know, Joel Bedard was, you, you know, just, just, he has his presence, you know. And, the, and these are people, you know, Mike's from uh, Kentucky and Joel's, you know, really kind of a big, uh, you know, another real big character in the scene out here. So, but what I want to ask you is tell, to, you know, tell me about getting that whole thing together, that, yeah. that whole process of Hempfest and, and, you know, how you guys sort of came up with it and then just, pulling it off, you know, just yeah. give some advice to people who might be considering getting involved in, and would prefer, you know, sort of a, a festival than, you know, maybe something at the Capitol, right? Because right. both both are a show of force. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, thinking about different events, right? I mean, that's kind of been my own experience. I've learned so much from going to different events. Um, a lot of them here regionally in New England, you know, I got to give a shout out to NECAN, which is a regional show that we're going to bring up here to Burlington in May for the first time. We're stoked about that. Um, so, you know, that was the first step for me is like for Hedy Vermont, which is becoming a membership organization or an advocacy platform, but we're also a publishing company, right? And our online putting out original content, um, you know, investing in bringing stories to Vermonters and stories of Vermonters. That's always been, you know, sort of an idea is what, what we're going to do with events. And to be honest, you know, we've experimented with a lot of different things on, you know, smaller scales, everything from being part of a Vermont Cannabis Week to doing our own anniversary parties, you know, having panel discussions in the event space. You know, it's tough because you kind of want to be everything to everybody, you know, and especially in a place like Vermont where it's so nascent. And this is probably the situation in a lot of other states, you know, where you feel like things are just starting to happen. You know, for us, the experience was the more we can present at one single event, the more people we can appeal to, right? So that we wanted to get everybody with an interest in, you know, if you're doing a, a smaller event, let's say a meetup at a coffee shop or a bar, you know, putting together a panel where you say, what's going on with the politics? Because people are going to want to know how they can get involved. What's going on with business? You know, somebody who's in the game, maybe what's going on with medical, if that's something that's happening in your state. So I, kind of our journey was really, you know, there's no shortcut. You have to do a lot of these things. I mean, I put on an event a few years ago that myself and the DJ were the only ones who showed up <laughs> when I was just doing like this Vermont Awana blog. And, you know, that was an educational experience, 
you know, and figuring out who your audience is, you know, and who are the people that are going to come to those events. If we didn't have such a great readership with Hedy Vermont, you know, who are not only people that follow on Facebook and click the links, but people that we know and people who've come out to events and people who know us, you know, being out there and advocating, you know, is such an important way to not only make the change that we all want to see, you know, as far as different reforms and really opening things up in a lot of ways, um, but it's how you network, you know, and it's how you get known. And, you know, if you're trying to have an event and people don't know who your name, don't know your name, they've never seen your face, you know, why are they going to shell out the money to sponsor something? You know, so if we didn't have a track record of putting on some successful events on smaller scales, we probably wouldn't have tackled this and taken it on. But, uh, you know, the opportunity with HempFest is really unique to Vermont and probably some other states as well um, where hemp is allowed to be cultivated. You know, so in Vermont, we don't have adult use. Um, it's we have decriminalization like we could talk about all the politics. We're ramping up for that. But <laughs> what we do have is we have industrial hemp at the statewide level. Um, so you have a lot of people growing CBD right now uh, and a lot of people producing CBD products. You know, people are looking at other industrial hemp. Um, we have some people who are actually doing building custom combines you know, to yeah. harvest hemp at a more industrial scale, which is so cool to see happening. That's so, what, I mean, that's what the industry needs nationwide. Yeah. Every hemp industry, everyone I talk to says we need infrastructure. Yep. Processing, processing capacity, building up those networks, you know, I mean, cooperatives. So, you know, to kind of set the scene, like hemp is really big in Vermont. You know, it has been for the last year or two. A lot of that, I think, is driven by the fact there is not adult use and that our medical system is very closed you know, we're going to announce our fifth dispensary license very shortly. Each of them is going to have a satellite. So we're going to have 10 dispensary physical locations probably by the end of next year. But, you know, it's still a very closed system. It's tough to get a card. So I think a lot of that pent up energy, you know, of people who want to be in the adult use game, people who want to be in the medical, who want to be making those value added products. And, you know, I mean, in Vermont, that's so huge, right? I mean, beer, cheese, honey, cider, all of these syrup. things, you know, maple syrup. So, you know, right now, I think a lot of people, especially in the CBD side, they're really learning kind of the cannabis industry in that way. Um, and well, there are unique things to CBD that we really wanted to highlight with HempFest. So one of the one of the unique things that that I've noticed is the fact that everyone who's doing these like, you know, sort of cottage CBD programs or what have you, they're infusing either stuff that they've produced or they're partnering with with other, you know, non-cannabis businesses, people who make tea, um, you know, all these different things. And so the CBD is, pardon the pun, infusing itself <laughs> within, yeah. you know, the, the local economy. Right. Oh, to, to be sure. You know, and here in Vermont, I mean, part of what drove the success of HempFest was good timing. You know, I mean, a year ago, there was a hemp beer out and you know, people didn't really pay attention. This year, a CBD beer came out and it was like huge. It was national news. I read about it on Gondrepreneur, you know, so um, I think consumer consciousness is a huge thing, you know, but to sort of pull back a little bit, when you're thinking about putting together an event, you know, thinking about who is your audience, what do they need to know, or what do you want them to take away from it? And sort of what elements do you need to have to make that happen? You know, one for us was, an awesome host. I mean, Burke Mountain, these guys, like you said, they're up in the Northeast Kingdom part of Vermont. Um, I have some local connections there, which are young, but, you know, are sincere. So 
I really wanted to do an event in that part of the state, which is rural, which does have a lot of fallow land, which does have a lot of landowners and former farmers who want to be doing something with their with their productive organic, you know, Vermont branded acreage. Um, so that was a big part for us was being able to do it there and having a great host. You know, and we talked about the rules very frankly before and they said, you know, we're going to be open for business. So is there going to be paraphernalia there? You know, are people going to be consuming out there on the back patio, you know, right by all the mountain bikers and the, and the scenic chairlift rides? Um, you know, and we and we talked through all that. We had a plan and we knew that we could trust the people to show up, you know, and very validating that the cannabis community, you don't have to tell people how to act. Right. I mean, we're all responsible citizens for the most part, or at least in 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 proportion of the rest of society. Right. Um, you know, so for us really thinking with intent about what do we want people to get when they come to our event? You know, we want we want you to be able to learn, go from zero to at least some understanding of a lot of different topics, you know? So that's why we decided to have uh, back to back sessions instead of concurrent, because I don't want to make someone choose between the landowner session and the CBD 101 session, right? I want you to stay throughout the entire day and go from, what are the rules for cultivating? You know, how do I find seeds or cuttings or clones? Um, you know, what's the processing? And then through the rest of it. So we kind of, we addressed all that. We talked about what's CBD from pharma, um, a pharmaceutical and pharmacological level. You know, we talked about a lot of the products that were out there. And I think that was a huge part was showcasing not only national brands. I mean, you had Mary's and CW there represented with series natural remedies and telling people about transdermal patches and, you know, the everyday oils. Um, and then you also had people who are doing it themselves. You know, I mean, my guy Kyle from Creek Valley Cannabidiol, you know, he was one of the stars of the of the conference. Yeah. A guy who's up there in the Northeast Kingdom, you know, growing, growing a thousand plants, learning this by himself, you know, all organic, no-till, processing on site and making kombucha, making his own vape pens you know, and really sort of showing that you can do all of it yourself. And that, you know, the cannabis game, just like the event game, there is no shortcut, you know, spoiler alert, like you just bust your ass, you stay up till three o'clock in the morning, sending out emails, you know, network with people, go to other events and, and, you know, be able to make sincere connections, you know, and then have some, have a lot of faith. <laughs> so I, I want to talk to you a bit more about, about some of uh, the connections that you made before HempFest and, and getting it all, uh, all set up. But before we do that, we got to take a break. This is the Entrepreneur.com podcast and TG Brandfall. If you are looking for a job in the rapidly growing and highly competitive cannabis industry, Gontrepreneur.com is the place to look. Visit the Gontrepreneur job board today to browse current openings with cannabis companies throughout the United States, from entry-level bud tender positions to executive-level career opportunities. You can also create a profile and upload your resume to be discovered by cannabis recruiters. Visit our job board at jobs.gontrepreneur.com to create your profile today. If you are a business owner, you can post your job openings for as little as $25 on our job board to reach the largest and most engaged audience of cannabis professionals on the web. Companies who are listed in the Gontrepreneur Business Directory are eligible for free job listings. If you are already signed up, contact us today via the website or send us an email at grow at to activate your unique coupon. Hey, welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, TG Brandfault, here with Eli Harrington, co-founder, managing editor of Hedy Vermont. 
have doctor next to your name. For some reason, I always talk, called you Dr. Eli Harrington. Um, I've been called a lot of different things. <laughs> Not that one yet. So, so one of the, again, I want to go back to this. One of the things that, that really stood out to me about Hempfest was, you know, the, the Tara Lynn Bridal, the Simmering Bone who won the, the, mm -hmm. the, the pitch competition, the Purple Fox pitch competition. Um, how'd you like come across these like sort of, real industrious, real small businesses. I mean, how did you find, you know, maybe not these particular, but but some of the smaller operators for, for Hempfest? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that was that was really part of the beauty and the magic of it. Um, you know, and going back to think about sort of the intent, right? Accessibility was something that was really important. So if we make a booth too expensive, then that little person, you know, that little guy who's just yeah. starting up, um, is not going to be able to afford to come to your show, right? And for us, we'd rather have, you know, 36 different booths, you know, with a lot of different people making connections themselves, you know, than have 10 booths and charge three times the price. So the price point was definitely a factor. You know, we also talked to people and said, hey, we'll, we'll work with you. You know, like if you want to donate items for a gift basket or come up with some barter, like the way that we structured it was that we didn't want to have to press vendors to get out. Because you get those people out, they're going to bring their fans and their supporters. They're going to make connections. I mean, and people were selling stuff, probably making some pretty good cash at their tables just by the sheer volume of like 500 people coming through and checking out all these products. But, you know, it goes back to having a network of real people. And that's the kind of thing that, I mean, that's what I love about the cannabis industry, you know, and the culture in general is that people can smell fakes, you know, and they know if you're real and know if you're not. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you've got the, you know, most calloused hands or the naughtiest dreads. You know, I mean, it means that you're somebody who's authentic and sincere, you know, and you walk the walk and stand up for what you believe in. So, you know, people who see you out there genuinely networking, talking to people, writing commentaries, you know, sharing your stuff on Facebook even. Um, you know, those are the way that you grow connections. And then when it's time to put on an event, you know, you think deliberately about pricing and think about, you know, that guy that I met at that event who I want to come to my event, you know, $20 ticket might be too much, you know, but maybe we can offer a patient discount. You know, we offered a locals discount for people in the Northeast Kingdom because we really wanted to get local people who are landowners to come out and check it out. And that was one of the coolest parts is having like an 80 year old dairy yeah. farmer with the thickest accent you've ever heard, you know, talking about being interested in hemp sincerely. And so like if we can get those people out, you know, that to me, the diversity of the crowd, you know, and the engagement, that was the measure of success. And, you know, we did spend money on advertising. Not a ton because we're our own publishing company. So like that well, was something that flyer. killed me. There's a flyer right out on a, on a telephone pole in front of my house. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you very much. And again, you know, there's no shortcuts to like, there's a reason that you I didn't put that teams. there. I don't That's know how right. that got there. That's right. Well, the same thing, like <laughs> there's a reason you have street teams. Like anybody who was up in the Northeastern part of the state who saw a poster, it's because I drove my ass around to every single country <laughs> store and gas station and put one up and talked to people and gave out stickers you know, and, and hyped it up. So like, you know, again, there's no secret formula and you can buy all the advertising you want on social media and elsewhere. But if people don't identify that brand or that logo to an actual person, you know, they're not going to come out. And I think that's especially true with cannabis events, you know, where people have to kind of see that it's cool. You can show up to this event, you know, that there is no stigma to come here and be educated, you know, and 
it depends how your event's presented. You know, if you're trying to do, if you're having a smoke out, like that's cool. You're going to attract those hardcore people who want to come and, and have a smoke out. You know, if you want to get more, you know, mainstream audience, you know, people who are like kind of curious instead of experts, you know, then you have to think about the way you design and promote the show. And for us, I mean, like having the University of Vermont Agricultural Extension, they were the first people that we called because we said, if people know we're serious about this, we're sincere, we want to have information for landowners, we want agronomic experts, we want agriculturalists. So we're going to get the university extension who have been growing test crops for the last four years and are doing the actual science and research. We're going to get them first. And if we can't get them on board, then people aren't going to know that it's legit. And then same thing with the Vermont Hemp Company, you know, and having people who are experts in, you know, who have been planting and working with farmers who are agronomists, who are, you know, doing a ton of stuff. I mean, they came out with this tea this weekend. That was that was so cool. So, you know, I mean, again, thinking about what what we're going to be able to bring to people and how you want to frame it. And for us to go to other sponsors and, and other vendors and say, hey, look, you know, the university is on board. And I know that, disclaimer, the University of Vermont does not support things like as a, as a whole, right? I mean, the people don't necessarily represent the entire university. Yeah. But this extension, you know, which is doing this really cutting edge, awesome research is, you know, they're the ones who are going to go to your field and talk to you as the farmer. So they're the ones we wanted at the events to cover that. And then same thing with having a retail partner like Ceres, having Phytoscience Institute who do testing, who do extraction, who do processing. I mean, Ceres doing that as well. You know, having Humble Roots Horticulture, which is like, you know, these guys took a college business plan and now they've got an acre of hemp in the ground, you know, which is so cool to see. Um, as like some young cats that are out there getting their name out, learning a ton yeah. and building the network. So, you know, what happened at HempFest was awesome. What's going to happen afterwards is what's really exciting. And that's how we'll know is like when we have those 10 other businesses that start next year and buy tables because they got their, you know, connections at HempFest. And we hear from people that, hey, I started growing because I met, you know, Joel at the Vermont Hemp Company or, you know, I'm somebody who has a, you know, I'm making a Vermont granola and I started putting CBD honey in it because I met the loose farm people, you know, and now I have a whole other product and revenue stream. So that's what's really going to be rad to see what comes after all of this, because we're really at that stage where we're all just like planting seeds and, you know, we're not even in the like. It's, it's a lot process. of it's research. I mean, it's everyone's just doing research. I, wa I want to switch gears a little bit um, and, and, and talk to you about, um, you know, as, as we could talk about Hempfest all day. But I do I do want to talk to you just a little bit about the you know, sort of the biggest story, you know, once I got here, especially was what happened with, you know, you know, there was a the legislator passed legislature passed it. Yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a full rec tax and rack. But, you know, um, I don't know if, if that's even the the best model. But but it was, I, you know, it, it was a landmark. Right. This has never happened in Vermont. Yeah. And, and this is in part due to, you know, the tireless advocacy that 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 happened. And, you know, you, you, you did a lot in that capacity. So, you know, now, now they've, they've convened another commission. What, what number commission is this? <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not, I think it was 2014 when they paid the Rand Corporation, not a ton of money, but I think like 25 grand to write a 110 page report. So we've had this report that we've paid for, for a couple of years hanging out. 
Um, and then, you know, the old adage in politics, if you don't want to do something, you create a commission, right? Or if you want to, <laughs> if you want to delay something, but I mean, to backtrack here, I would say that, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial, so I'm impatient. Right. And I want to see, I want instant gratification. Yeah. And, you know, I know that I'm right. And we just got to convince all these old people that, you know, <laughs> their viewpoint is, is outdated, you know, but uh, so I'm joking, but the fact is that, you know, it takes time. Um, and I'm really proud to see how far things have come, you know, even in, I've been in this like the last three years, maybe full time. Right. I mean, I've always been advocating in other ways, um, and supportive, but, you know, really being out there, I think for the last three years, like there are people who are been in jail for longer than three years, you know, for, for simple possession. Right. So it's important to keep things in context. I think whenever you're talking about advocacy, you know, and understanding that, especially when you're talking with other, you know, cannabis people and industry people that, you know, the demographics are changing. Public opinion is changing. Um, but in some places it's not as fast as others, you know, and I think here in the Northeast, one thing that's really slowed a lot of things down is not having those, those things you can see, right? So like Colorado, people will go out West and take special trips and maybe you have a relative out there, you do a ski trip or, you know, you send one of your legislative panels out there two years ago, which we did already (laughs) to go do a study tour. Um, you know, when they come back, it's whatever, but it's a different thing if you can go actually see it on vacation and New England's so small that once people see, I mean, already Maine and mass, you know, which are right now personal possession and cultivation, they're waiting to get the regulated structures set up. And, uh, I think the policymakers have really sped things up seeing what the demand is and seeing all that tax revenue that's out there. Um, you know, so I think that that's going to change a lot. And I wish Vermont was going to be the first state in New England to do it because there is going to be a huge advantage to that. I mean, all I mean, of this it's, stuff, it's, like bringing a cannabis industry online, you know, and just bringing it from an illegal underground culture to something above board, that takes monumental sea change, you know, not only culturally, but talking about policies and where businesses are cited, how they're operated, you know, and it takes, I think, a few years to figure it out. Like the, the states out west, they're constantly reforming. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think people like, I, I mean, me, I look to Oregon, you know, because it seems like they've done the best job of adopting these lessons from their neighboring states. You know, Nevada, which has made changes pretty quickly. Um, you know, all these states, like we look out there, and those of us that research the policy and look at it a lot say, you know, we share these articles and we write stories and say, look, here's why we need to do this. Because in every state that goes adult use, there's a supply shortage. You know, so let's start getting our underground growers selling to our dispensaries. You know, we talk about small business in Vermont. What I want to see happen this year and what we're going to push for, among other things, let's have a small cultivator license. You know, let's start opening up that supply. Right now, they only have five dispensaries to sell to. Those are the only people who can dispense medical marijuana in the state. Um, And hopefully that will change and open up as well, too. I mean, more competition, the better. And the more supply and the more diversity, the better products, the lower prices. These are just basic economics things. Shout out to Brandeis University. (laughs) Econ 101. Um, You know, but I think that we are going to see things, you know, open up and that, like I said, this small cultivator license, that could be a way to kind of prepare for bigger things where we say, all right, let's get people licensed, testing product, best practices, ideally not over-regulated. You know, if you want that craft scale, just like our lessons from the festival, you can't price out all the people who would be involved, right? So you have to keep it accessible, but 
you know, let's get another 50 growers signed up and working with the dispensaries. You know, let's expand our caregiver laws to something like Maine has, where people can have their own small businesses. Well, another, I mean, another point is too that I, I think has been sort of, I don't know if it's been lost or just not a talking point that I've noticed here in the state is that young, young people aren't buying farms. Farms are closing, you know, I mean, throughout the Northeast because young people don't want to farm. And, you know, this this might be a a tool to get some of those farms operational again. I mean, even if you just allow personal cultivation, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I think everybody can agree that the more people that are planting things and growing things, the better society is, right? The more people involved in agriculture. And you do see some occasions and... You know, a lot of it has happened in the Northeast Kingdom in Vermont where, you know, you do see sort of the new generation of farmers, you know, who are learning that you can't just do a commodity. You have to have a product, you know, at the end cycle. Um, and a lot of people really are interested in in hemp and in, in cannabis, you know, and that is a gateway, I think, to more working landscapes. And it's something that in Vermont, you're right, it is very acute because so many small family farms, you know, dairy farming, there's a crisis going on nationally with the price of milk. That affects a lot of folks here in Vermont. You know, the cooperative system has advantages and disadvantages, but, you know, you have a lot of fallow organic land. You have a lot of brand appeal with Vermont products. And with CBD and hemp, you have a national market. You know, the rest of it, I mean, Vermont is a tourism-based economy. Vermont already has a reputation. Like, you probably tell people about Vermont, and they say, oh, I thought it was already legal, right? Oh, I mean, the number one reaction yeah. all the time. People are shocked. Yeah. So culturally, like, we're already branded that way, you know, <laughs> and we might as well take advantage. And, you know, from a rural economic development standpoint, it's great that you have politicians who get this. And it's a way to talk about cannabis that crosses party lines, you know, and you can make a, you can have a conversation with someone who might be more conservative and represent a rural district and say, look, you know, we got 80 people who took applications for the hemp registry at our event. You know, 80 people who are going to theoretically apply for licenses, you know, and put some sort of acreage into production that wasn't before, create jobs. You had a state senator. Pay taxes. We had a state senator there. You know, I mean, Senator John Rogers, who was doing hemp. just that. Yeah. You know, because he's breaking his back being a stonemason and wants to put his land back to use. His family got sort of caught up and priced out of farming. He became a mason and he wants to go back and do hemp. You know, so the more we can share those stories and have those conversations and say, okay, if you can appreciate this, you know, with a cannabis plant that has 0.2% THC, you know, it is legally defined as industrial hemp, then what about cannabis that has 10% THC and is defined as marijuana, but is grown in the same way, in the same conditions on that same fallow land, you know, but with some, I won't even put a number on it, exponential, exponentially more value dollar per acre price, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, with the leaded stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's, you know, it's a way to bridge that bridge that gap. I know that CBD and, and industrial hemp help open the doors to that conversation a lot of the time. And Vermont is historically and culturally an agricultural state. You know, I mean, we're not large, but we have great soil. You know, we have amazing farmers and agriculturalists. And, you know, again, we have that brand. I mean, how much more exciting is Vermont cheese than New York cheese, you know, I mean, and I'm not talking the strain <laughs> you know, like someday, both of those, because there are some great cheese growers in Vermont. Shout out to them. Um, you know, so I think we'll we'll see it here, you know, in this next session, you know, 
personal possession and home cultivation, you know, can't be putting people in jail for possessing. You can't be giving people $200 fines. You know, decriminalization has led to more enforcement, not less. It's just it's easier to write a civil fine than put somebody in jail, right? So um, we're going to be pushing for that to be sure. Ideally, have that happen quickly. This commission is strategically designed to not give a report until 2018 in December after we have our next election for governor. So we have two-year terms here. As a reminder, our governor is the person who is individually responsible for vetoing this bill, um, the historic legalization bill that passed. It was very conservative. It was like one ounce and two plants. Um, Better than... And it wouldn't have gone into effect for until July next year anyways. Yeah. So nothing would have changed today as we record this in September. But, um, you know, his commission is designed to not address... Two-thirds of the commission is highway safety and education and prevention. One-third of the commission is tax and regulate. You look at Massachusetts right now, they just appointed a five-person full-time panel yeah. who are being paid to do this. They have their foot on the gas pedal, but they've been, you know, sort of slow playing it for a while as long as they could. But you see the kind of resources that it takes to figure out these policies. And no matter what policies you put into effect and what you can learn from other states, some of it is going to just happen from trial. You know, ideally not too much error, but when you see what the issues are with regulating cannabis in Vermont, you will adjust, you know, and you'll and you'll shape it so that you're addressing those when they happen. So, you know, that's why we advocate get the process going. You know, I mean, impairment on the highways has not been a huge issue in states that have come online. You know, Massachusetts does not have cars flying into each other, you know, on the highway every time you go through like Boston hasn't gotten better at driving, <laughs> you know, like you still got to drive in Boston and with people from Massachusetts. But, you know, things like that, as we see more of that, ideally, we can skip past those reefer madness type discussions and talk more about serious policy points. So, you know, at the end of the day, the commission is going to have reg is going to have recommendations um, and the governor might see that as a reason to delay things. But the legislature are the ones who pass the bills. And, you know, this veto was very unpopular. You know, the governor's taken a lot of heat for it, and rightfully so. Um, he owns that decision. Um, and we'll see what happens ideally early in the session where we can go back with, again, just home cultivation, personal possession, not putting people in jail or giving them fines that, you know, have an impact on their life for possessing this, this plant. You know, so we start there. Um, you know, we're going to work hard with the legislature and, you know, really give them credit. I mean, no other legislative body has passed this through both the House and the Senate. So kudos to all of those people who did take the time to educate themselves. You know, in this year, I mean, they're miles ahead. It's like some of the people that he's appointing to his commission. We've been doing this. I've been there in every single, t every single one of those rooms. You know, we've literally got hundreds of hours of testimony that these folks have heard. So many different draft bills, um, so many different committees that have heard testimony that you know, it does build on itself. And at some point, it becomes politically untenable, you know, to threaten to veto something that 70% of Vermonters support, you know, which is the legalization, you know, personal possession, home cultivation. So that continuing to work on our medical program, you know, right now, if you're a patient in Vermont, you know, you can only buy two ounces a month, you know, your plant counts are really low. Um, so there's a lot we need to do to work on the medical program as well, because, a lot of the interest in adult use, I think, is helping people realize just how conservative our medical program has been. 
And a lot of patients who are advocating for adult use are also, you know, helping us advocate more for the medical part of things. So that's really important to keep in mind as well, because that's such a big feeder into how people understand cannabis in your state in general, right, is through the medical system usually. So I, I just uh, before before we uh, before we go, I want to ask about, you know, sort of your advice uh, for other entrepreneurs. Uh, before we do that, we got to take a break. Entrepreneur.com podcast and TG Brandfall. At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of cannabis, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com Business Service Directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today. Hey, welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfall, here with Eli Harrington, co-founder, managing editor, Hedy Vermont. Um, so, you know, you wear a lot of hats, man. You know, I've, I've known you for a couple months now, and it's it's really a pleasure uh, getting to know you guys and, and you know, the Hedy Vermont crew. And just, I mean, I've just, just through meeting you one time, I've met almost like, you know, dozens of cbd producers you know growers and and Mm -hmm. you know so so you know as as somebody who you know was in new york for a while and it's a very secretive program and and no one wants to talk to you and no one wants to like you know show you let alone show you their plants you know medical or not and then in detroit where gray market really nobody wants to talk to you because the dea can come in basically at any point kick down their door so so 
um, you know, Vermont's community has, has been very welcoming and very, very open. Um, people are, their minds are always blown by like how friendly Vermonters are. Dude. You know, like it's, it is, it is really, it is really true. It's like one of the number one things you read on like Reddit when people come visit Vermont. Yeah. Like, Vermonters are so friendly. I, I, you know, it's the, like, the, yeah, man, look around. This place is beautiful. Like so the first time that I came here, I came here for an offspring bad religion Pennywise show at the waterfront. <laughs> and I remember, you know, we were all parked across the street and, you know, it was one car and then the next. And they were actually, like, taking turns uh, letting people out. And I was like, I need to live here. Like, I, I don't want to kill you. I'm trying to get out of this concert. But so, but you know, what's when, when you're talking to, to, you know, the young kids like the guys from Humble Roots, you know, yeah. and, and you're young yourself, you know, what – what is your advice for people looking to operate in Vermont space? You know, I mean, I think that when I when I thought about this a few years ago, you know, and I was like, I'm going to stop wearing a shirt and tie to work, you know, basically leave the world of I was nonprofit executive director. Right. And I did some video production stuff. But when I got into it, I thought worst case, Ontario. Right. Like I'm going to do something for a cause that I believe in. I'll be able to be proud of the work that I do. And if we do it the right way and have faith and work hard, you know, then hopefully we can turn it into something that's a business. You know, I wasn't sure what that business was was going to be. You know, I mean, this has all been an evolution, you know, and everybody who's in the cannabis industry, like you have to build it as you go along, unless you're in some established state, you know, that has a few years of over adult use market, um, you know, getting involved, like, that's also the exciting part, you know, not only as an entrepreneur, but as an activist and just as a citizen, is that cannabis policy is being shaped right now, you know, and that you can pick up the phone and call a representative, you know, you can go to a meeting, you can start a blog, you know, you can write for HeddyVermont.com, you know, and send us a commentary piece uh, if you're someone that lives in Vermont and beyond. You know, you can have a, a, a social gathering, you know, in a public place and invite a speaker. So. You know, you have the agency to control things right now in the cannabis industry that you don't in a lot of other places. So you should be able to take advantage of that. And really, like I said, be willing to educate people, you know, appreciate that even within the industry, you know, there are people who who come at their understanding from a different way. You know, it might be from someone's experience growing from 20 years. Uh, it might be because you're somebody who's a policy wonk, you know, and it might be because you're somebody who's a tech nerd who you know, is smoking at night um, or a college student, whatever, whatever it is. So, you know, I think being sincere with respect to the community and I think about all the people who have put put me on, you know, and talk to me. I had a chance to go to Jamaica a few years ago, not only meet Ross's, but meet some of the, you know, high times folks and some of their competitors, you know, people like Maya from Whoopi and Maya, you know, I mean, just the amount of information that's out there and being able to go to events because, Cannabis people, it seems, are more likely to share, you know, and we're not talking trade secrets here, you know, but share techniques, share connections, share contacts. And like those are the networks that matter, those grassroots ones, right? Not just the people who are going to like your stuff on Facebook, but the people who are going to show up in person and who, you know, if you call them and ask, hey, can you make a call to your representative because this vote's coming up and they're on a committee who are actually going to do it? So, you know, I think just being being sincere you know, if you're sincere, you know, coming at this with with good intentions, you know, it doesn't matter if you're not the most knowledgeable person, you know, if you don't have 20 years of growing experience, like you come at it with respect and humility, 
people will put you on. You know, they'll share information. You know, they'll give you opportunities to come to events and meet up with people. Um, you know, and I think kind of just keep that going culturally. And that's why I think you see a lot of things about this industry that, you know, are more conscious than a lot of other industries is that everybody who's involved and most people who are successful um, have to be acting with intention and, and sincerity. So, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's all of it. You know, there's no, there's nothing stopping you except for how you spend your time, you know, and if you, if you want to do it, like I worked, I worked last summer at an airport cooking breakfast from 4am to noon. So I could have the afternoons to blog and the evenings to go to events, you know, and still went totally broke and screwed <laughs> and screwed up a lot of, you know, and made a lot of sacrifices to, to learn that lesson the hard way you know, and still out there scrapping. So, you know, figure out what you're willing to, what you're willing to risk, you know, and what assets you have, you know, if you don't have funding, you don't have those hard skills like growing or processing or, you know, botany, um, you know, then you need to be the most informed person in the room and you can spend your time reading hedyvermont.com, <laughs> you know, Gondrepreneur, like there's so much great information that's out there for free. Um, so educate, you know, educate yourselves and, and, get involved. I mean, that's really it. There's no secret to, to hard work. And, you know, up here in New England, we've got a lot of hardworking Yankees, <laughs> you know, who are out there busting their butts. Um, you know, Vermont is beautiful, but we've got another, you know, maybe month and then it's like stick season <laughs> and crappy skiing season until probably mid January at least. So, um, yeah, that's, that's it, man. There's no, there's no secret. So, uh, where can, people hear your, your, your podcast, you know, find out more about who you are, you know, here's a, here's a chance to plug some stuff, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been, so like all of this, you know, I've been experimenting a lot and learning from experience. I started a podcast called Vermont Awana. Um, cause I just wanted to learn about the podcasting game. I listened to a lot of podcasts, this one being my favorite, which I listen to on a weekly basis. Although I actually know what TG looks like. So it's a different experience for me. Um, getting to listen to it myself, but, um, I, the Vermont to want a podcast is something I've been developing. You know, we're still getting better. I'm about 20 episodes in, but I encourage people to check that out on iTunes. We do talk about more than just Vermont. Uh, I'm working right now on developing some video content, uh, and talking to some people from, you know, in new England and also, you know, folks out West, because I want to do video. I've got background in that. Um, it's such a good, efficient way to present a lot of information at once. And we're a digital media outlet with Hedy Vermont. So I'm really excited with that. But I mean, Hedy Vermont, you know, we have just turned into a membership based organization, uh, you know, which, again, part of our own evolution as entrepreneurs, figuring out, you know, what models make sense for us, you know, so doing membership where we have members only events that'll be coming up um, that are private, you know, where we'll be able to transition and have that membership who support us and help sustain us, who also get benefits from our business partners, you know, and our advertisers. So, you know, we're kind of constantly evolving with, with Hedy Vermont. Um, and then personally, you know, I'm, I'm out there advocating a lot, you know, I mean, if you're paying attention in Vermont cannabis and if you want to get involved, I encourage people to reach out, you know, if you're somebody nationally wants to know what's up in Vermont, I'm always happy to talk about it. The more that we share information, you know, good information, accurate information, yeah. the better for everybody. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a believer in, uh, you know, I say, you know, uh, don't hide it, divide it, you know, when it comes to when it comes to all of this. So, um, you know, I encourage people to reach out, Eli at HeddyVermont.com. 
you know, and a huge shout out to Monica. I'm the one talking here today, but <laughs> if it's not, you know, if she and I don't get involved working together, you know, this thing is nothing. And she makes it all look great with kind consulting. You know, she does the graphics, the visuals, the branding, the photography, you know, she's awesome. So, you know, hit up Monica, hit up kind consulting. If you want to see why our stuff looks so good, um, then tune into headyvermont.com and, you know, stay tuned because we're, uh, we're just getting started here. New England's a small place and we got a lot of friends out there. So we're going regional. Uh, we're going to be doing more and hitting more regional events, bringing NECAN up here to, up here to Burlington in, in May, you know, and in the meantime, I'll be at NECAN in Portland and Maine, NECAN in Rhode Island and Providence, and then in Boston in March. So cash me at NECAN. <laughs> Dude, it's, uh, you know, we talk all the time, uh, but like normally our conversations are, are more, you know, me rambling about nonsense <laughs> and, and, and you sort of being nice about it. Uh, so, you know, thanks for showing up and, you know, having this conversation and, and you know, letting me get to know you a little bit, yeah. and, but, but while also, you know, letting people really get a, an idea of who you are well, and, and, and you, you'll work your ass off, man, you and Monica both. So, well, um, thank you for sharing the platform too, man. I mean, you too. When, when, when we learned that you were coming to Burlington, we got a chance to link up. Like I've been reading your stuff for a long time and a big shout out to Gondrepreneur, you know, and their sponsors because it's such an awesome resource, especially for people on the East coast. Um, who want to get that inside information. So love what you guys are doing, man. I love the podcast and honored to honored to be involved. So thank you very much. Thanks, man. We'll, we'll probably have you back on here pretty soon. <laughs> you can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. I've been your host, TG Brandfall. <laughs>